0: Shabbat Shalom and welcome to our broadcast. We are in Scroll 11 today of Ezekiel. I'm super excited to be able to be here, even though I'm down under, as you can see. I'm still down here, but things are looking good at the Oregon coast. We are in the infamous Closing Chapters of Ezekiel. In fact, this is Ezekiel Scroll 11. The Closing Chapters... In the Masoretic Text of Ezekiel include, of course, the Temple Visions. But it's important that we get the revelation, not of the Masoretic Text today, but of the Order of the Scrolls, Scroll 11 of this series. And we will come to find that this scroll actually predates the opening chapters by Five whopping years. Yes, I said five years. This scroll predates the opening chapters by five years. So scroll 11 comes to us from Masoretic Text, chapter 40, verse 1, and it extends through chapter 48 and verse 35. It's actually relegated to the back of the volume as an appendix. It's relegated to the back of the volume as an appendix. Now, of course, this is the temple visions where all of the Zionists, whether it's Christian Zionism, Messianic, Judaism, the Zionists get the idea of the third temple. What happens if we can demonstrate through this 11th scroll that this was in fact a constitutional agreement that Israel never enacted. It was a conditional constitutional agreement that was never enacted. What would that do to people's theology? It would change the world as far as our spiritual outlook. Look at chapter 40 and verse 1. We'll begin there with the infamous temple visions. In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th month, in the 14th year, after the city was struck down, on that very day, the hand of Yahuwah was upon me and he brought me into the city. Now notice, it depends upon your translation, some of you are going to have day of the month. Now, if it's a good translation, that would at least be in italics to show you that it's not actually in the text. Hence, this is the 10th month, this is the 4th day, because he said, on that very day, and of course, it's the 25th year. So, scroll 11, the 10th month, the 4th day, and the 25th year. Now, it's interesting to me, this very week... In 2018, that we found this week the Becker Stone. The Becker Stone, of course, some of you may know, is a first temple period weight measure. Becker is actually found in the scriptures, I think, three times that Hebrew word. But they found this week the first temple period weight measure that was actually used by pilgrims as the half shekel tax they would pay before ascending to the temple mount and that was brought into the public eye this, this week by the media and it will be on display in Jerusalem over the next few months. I think it's very interesting that our current media is so focused on temple stones, on temple artefacts and of course... On these temple customs more than any other before. This is fascinating in light of the political climate that we now in fact live within. So what I'd like to look at today is this scroll 11 and the current political powers of course we know that they supported the embassy move to Jerusalem and now there's really not much standing in the way of a temple being built, especially with Donald Trump and his son-in-law hand in glove with Bibi the Bolshevik. I mean, it's all looking to me as if this is something that we need to be aware of. Because what you're going to find, Yahusha gave us an admonishment in Revelation chapter 3 verse 2. He said this, wake up. And strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my Elohim. We need to wake up and strengthen our faith. We need to wake up and strengthen our resolve. Not only to what's going on today, but our resolve when it comes to true news, when it comes to sound biblical teaching, because it's dying today. It's dying today. And these are the days of Elijah, the days of Elijah. So I want to turn right now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and specifically um, verse two. So turn with me to Second Thessalonians, chapter two and verse two. And while you do that, turning to Second Thessalonians, chapter two and verse two. People are shaken out of their mind and very disturbed. Look at verse 3. So many are letting others deceive them in all ways because the rebellion is coming. First, the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed in Jerusalem. The one destined to be destroyed. Look at verse 4. He's going to oppose and exalt himself above every so-called God or object of worship, and he's going to sit in the Ashkenazi temple of their God, proclaiming himself that he is Yahuwah. Look at verse 6. It's only the Holy Spirit that's going to hold this deception back. And verse 7, the confusion over what's lawlessness... And what's not is already operating. Christianity as a whole has chosen lawlessness. Messianics have chosen a form of godliness yet deny its power. Instead, they're falling for the Jewish deception of Torah, 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 which is really, we've discovered, the book of the law. With no Malkitetic, no change of the law which is a violation of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12. Look at verse 9 of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and it says that the coming of the lawless one is connected to the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with every kind of wicked deception towards those who are perishing. They perish because they did not accept the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, Yahuwah sends them a delusional force to lead them to believe what is false. So it's Yahuwah who sends them a delusional force and this delusional force actually is led to make them believe what is false. So I believe this third temple false doctrine, which is framed from a lack of understanding of the sequence and dating of these 13 scrolls, is in fact the delusional force. The delusional force that has been thrust, it's literally been thrust upon the remnant by All facets of religion and now the media what are we gonna do with this Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13 scrolls are the answer because Ezekiel as the ambassador to Israel offered Israel a provisional constitution including these temple visions it's imperative it really is imperative for us to grasp that this was a conditional offer of national restoration. It was a conditional offer of national restoration, contingent on both houses repenting. And this is what most people miss it was conditional upon both houses repenting and did they repent they did not repent this would have been it would have been an interim Constitution until when until the time of Reformation when the seed would come they rejected his offer and thus this scroll is now ever forever listen to me and hear me limited to a historic account because it was never actually enacted or it will never be enacted because it was rejected so it's limited to an historical account because it was never enacted or ever will be enacted because It was rejected by the elders of Israel. Now, Ezekiel shared his vision. He delivered his scroll as a provisional constitution. It was an interim constitution to see Israel through until the time of reformation when the seed would come. And it happened in the 10th month, on the 4th day of the month, in the 25th year, after a whopping 13-year silence. The elders of Israel that were encamped by the river hebar they had been visited by Ezekiel. He'd had 10 visions. And then there's a 13-year silence and now he comes back after 13 years to offer them a provisional constitution in hopes that they would repent. And he's showing them all the glory and splendor of what Yahweh would do all the glory and splendor of what Yahweh could do if only they would repent. His purpose, of course, is um, Ezekiel 43, verse 10, to shame Israel into repentance. This is not a millennial temple vision as Judaism and Zionistic sects falsely proclaim. So, today... We're going to examine carefully three things. Three things to prove that we should not be looking to a millennial third temple ideal. And in fact, we should warn and mark those who have fallen for such deceptions. And most of us, we know people that have fallen for this third temple deception. So there's three things today that we're going to look at and examine. Number 1, the Torah principle of establishing status. Number 2, the New Testament principle of establishing status, and finally number 3, the three outrages and threefold principle of the past historical temples. So, let's dig in. Yahuwah offered His people actually eight temples. People don't realize that. I mean, Yahuwah offered His people eight temples. And if somebody sinned, how many times did Yahushua say we're to forgive them of their sins? Seventy times seven. Because we're supposed to offer more and more. Seven is completeness. Yet Yahuwah still in His mercy will offer more. Eight temples Yahweh has offered his people but due to his people's continuous rebellion it's resulted in three outpourings of wrath and destruction and it will in fact result in the biggest deception to come upon our modern generation and i think it's very interesting that the white house is hand in glove with bb the bolshevik and we've got um jared kushner involved as a White House um, advisor with, of course, Trump's um, daughter. It's very hand in glove. And now as this temple weight has come out again, people's eyes are shifted back to this third temple ideal. And, of course, it's being, of course, fermented by all of the Zionism, which has infiltrated our politics, infiltrated our Uh, media, down to Hollywood and of course our banks. What are we to do as a people? We need to be aware of the days that we live in and not be deceived. So if the current line of millennial temple teaching isn't corrected, then the greatest deception is going to come over the church, over the Jews, over the nations and the Hebrew roots community in regard to this so-called third temple. Let's look at the eight temples of Yahuwah. The first temple that Yahuwah wanted to build was, of course, in Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. It was a Zedek system. This was before Levi was even born. This, of course, was a Zedek system. It was perfect and it was in the midst of the garden, which was, of course, a reflection of the Holy of Holies. The garden, of course, was the holy place, and the land was, of course, the outer court of Israel, and the land of Nod was the profane place. You can see here, again, this is the first temple. And what happened when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden? There was a cherubim, that would of course guard the way back so that they couldn't come back in when they did construct the temple in jerusalem on the nicanor doors of course there were carvings of the cherubim on the nicanor doors of course that was pointing back to this first temple the second temple was of course the tabernacle The Mishkan in the wilderness. And this was Levitical and it was permissive because they had sinned at the golden calf. There was a breach. And of course, there was then the construction, not of the heavenly Melchizedek, but a literal second temple or tabernacle, the wilderness tabernacle. The third temple, of, of course, was Solomon's temple, the first temple, if you will, And the fourth temple, what people call the second temple, was of course Zerubbabel's temple, which later became Herod's temple. So the fifth is to be revealed, the sixth is to be revealed, the seventh is to be revealed, and the eighth is to be revealed as well. Now, the altar on which Cain saw a sacrifice for sin couched, at the east gate of Eden, and it was located in the land of Nod. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. It is written, And Yahweh said to Cain, Why are you angered? Why are you annoyed? And why is your face displaying such hate? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin couches at your gate." What does he mean? Sin couches at your gate and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, numbers mean things in scripture. Six equals man. And a hint is this sixth temple is going to have something to do with man or the man of sin, the son of perdition. Seventh, of course, equals the Shabbat, the seventh day, the plan of Yahuwah. And this eighth temple is going to be something to do with the millennium or time after time. So as we get into this, you're going to see that what people are falling for is going to be, in fact, the sixth temple where the man of sin will walk up and proclaim himself to be God, even though we know that this is not so. Which temple will everybody be looking to? This is the most important message that I'm delivering. Solomon's temple in Isaiah 7 through 11 prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem and that temple. Later, we find now Ezekiel and Jeremiah proclaimed loudly that Yahweh would in fact what? He would abandon the temple. Then we have Zerubbabel's temple. The prophets Daniel and Zechariah said this temple would, in fact, be desolated. Desolated. But where was Solomon's temple? Where was Zerubbabel's temple? Certainly not where we're told today. This is where we get to the point of the Torah principle of establishing status like I mentioned earlier we're going to find this principle of establishing status in Numbers chapter 9 verse 22 it is written or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle remaining therein The children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, then they journeyed on. This is about the tabernacle or the dwelling place. How was the position of the wilderness tabernacle established? The cloud and fire. The cloud and fire established where the glory of Yahuwah was. And when the glory or the ruach of Yahuwah moved, then what would happen? They would pack up that tabernacle and the tabernacle would move too. What was the position? This is what you have to ask yourself. What was the position of the previous ground once the ruach or the glory, the kavod of Yahuwah moved? What was that ground like? The sanctuary of made each geographical spot to be holy as long as the tabernacle continued to be in that place. But the moment it moved, the ground where it had been previously became common ground. That is a very important principle of establishing status. Now let's look at this in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 23 verse 16, Yehusha said it was not the gold of the temple that made the sanctuary holy, but it was the temple that made the gold holy. It's not the sacrifices, but the altar. It's not the geographical site, but where the glory of Yahweh resides. So when the tabernacle and the glory moved on, leaving the former spot behind, that spot returned to being secular, a secular area with no more holiness attached to it, no more holy than any other secular region in the wilderness. Now, there were three altars that were associated with the temple. And altars we know, they give you access. The first altar was the golden altar of incense. The second altar was the altar of burnt offering. And the third altar was the mikbhad altar at the profane place. Or the altar of the Ezekiel 43, verse 21. Now, in the time of Yahushua, there was actually a building that was called the Beth ha or the House of the Ashes. We need to follow this scriptural pattern and forsake the rabbinical Zionist deceptions that our media, our religion's, and our present age thrust upon us and follow the pattern clearly so that we don't get deceived. Which part, pattern are we going to follow? That's the question. What pattern are you going to follow? Because only one tabernacle follows the heavenly pattern. And that is the Malchizedic pattern. And another tabernacle, it follows the permissive man. Levitical pattern but we know that you and I are a kingdom of priests according to the order of Malkit Zedek Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 and 6 so what pattern should we follow surely we should be following the pattern that was relayed to Moses and he said it was a pattern from on high of course the first tabernacle of the Garden of Eden. Where did Yahushua say that we were to look back to when there were troubles in marriage and a man and a woman were thinking of getting divorced? What did Yahushua say? Well, you should look back to Deuteronomy 24 and the law of divorce. No, he said you should go further back than that and you should actually try and get some kind of restoration and healing in your life and go all the way back into the Garden of Eden because things were not broken when they were walking righteously with Yahweh. See, the Garden of Eden is our tabernacle pattern. It is the Malchizedek pattern. Three outrages and the threefold principle. This is what I want to talk about because the glory did come to a geographic location. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. We find Solomon's temple thus establishing it as holy. The glory appeared there, therefore it became holy. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. Now when Solomon had made an end of making prayers... The fire came down from the heavens and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the kavod, the glory of Yahuwah, filled the house. So the temple's existence was always dependent, meaning conditional. The temple's existence was always dependent, that means conditional, Upon the continued obedience of Israel. Look at second, second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 19. But if you turn away... Here's the conditional phrase. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my judgments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other Elohim, and go and worship them, then... Will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them? And this house which I have set apart for my name will I cast, cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb and a mockery among the nations. And this house which is high shall be an astonishment to everyone that passes by it, so that they shall say, why has Yahweh done this to this land and to this house? Why? Why would he do that? The first outrage in the reign of Ahaz, king of Judah, he cut the temple furniture to pieces. He was so wicked. Look at 2nd Chronicles chapter 28 verse 19. For Yahuwah brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he made Judah transgress heavily against Yahuwah. And Tiltgath Pilsner, king of Ashur, came to him and distressed him, but did not help him. For Ahaz took him a portion out of the house of Yahuwah and out of the house of the king." And from the rulers, and he gave it to the king of Ashur, but he did not help him. And in the time of his distress, did he trespass even more against Yahuwah, this that king Ahaz. Verse 23, for he sacrificed to the Elohim of Demeshk, who killed him. And he said, because the Elohim of the kings of Aram helps them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me but they were his ruin and the ruin of all Israel and echaz gathered together the vessels of the house of elohim and he cut in pieces the vessels of the house of elohim and he closed the doors of the house of yahweh and he made pagan altars in every corner of jerusalem and in every city of judah he made idol temples to burn incense to other Elohim. And he provoked Yahuwah and his fathers to anger. That was the first outrage in the reign of Ahaz, king of Judah. Look at the second outrage. The son of Hezekiah was, of course, Manasseh. And he did wickedness in the sight of Yahuwah. And he didn't walk in the ways of his father before him. Second Chronicles chapter 33 verse 1 he turned the temple into a heathen shrine so now we get to the third outrage yahweh sent of course the house of judah in context where we're reading into the babylonian captivity he sent nebuchadnezzar to destroy the temple and his rebellious people were taken captivity for 70 years. We've got the first outrage. We've got the second outrage. We've got the third outrage. This ties in now with what's called the threefold principle. Deuteronomy 17 verse 6, it is written, Out of the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death the principle regarding punishment or chastisement from Yahuwah is going to be a what a threefold principle we've seen one outrage in the temple we see a second outrage in the temple and finally we see a third outrage in the temple and judah is given over to the babylonians nebuchadnezzar comes in and now judgment is going to come upon that house and that temple is destroyed Look at the Apostle Paul, we'll see this threefold principle in his life. This was a common, common knowledge amongst the Talmudim, the disciples, because it goes back to the Torah. So if we're going to understand about Yahuwah's idea and Yahuwah's view of the temple, we need to understand the threefold principle. Because people are all like, oh, the third temple, the third temple, the third temple. Well, in fact... They're not counting the prior temples. So their whole count is off. They're not counting the temple, the tabernacle of the Garden of Eden, which is Malchizedek. They're not looking at these things just like they're not understanding that the book of Ezekiel is fact, not a book, but 13 scrolls. Now, understanding the count and understanding the scrolls And understanding the threefold principle is the key to us being alert and awakened in this day. Paul knew it, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, but there was given to me a thorn in the flesh... The messenger of S.A. came to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the master three times. How many times? For this thing I besought the master three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glorify in my infirmities that the power of Messiah may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Messiah Yehusha's sake. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. So Paul applies the Torah principle based upon having proper witness to a matter. Paul witnessed three identical answers from Yahuwah. Thus, those three identical answers established Yahuwah's final judgment. That's what I don't want you to miss. Those three identical answers established Yahuwah's final judgment. Now, we're looking at this in relation to the temple. But look what Yahusha said in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 38. We're going to see that this is not something just, just appears in the Bible once or twice. It's everywhere. Matthew 27 verse 38. Then said he to them, My being is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he began to pray, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40. And he came to the disciples, And he found them asleep. And he said to Kepha, to Simon Peter, What? You could not watch with me just for one hour? Watch and make prayer so that you enter not into temptation. The human spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Now he went some distance again and made prayers the second time saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, let your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and he went again, and he made prayers the third time, saying the very same words. Then he came to his disciples, and he said to them, Sleep on now. And take your rest. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us get going. See, He is at the hand that does betray me. So Yahushua received three, three identical answers from Yahuwah, thus establishing Yahuwah's final judgment it's the same whether it's paul's thorn in the flesh whether it's the, the the threefold principle on the temple that was built by solomon that came into threefold judgment that was seen at the hand of nebuchadnezzar whether it is here Yahusha pleading with the abba his father in heaven if this cup could pass from him Three times and then the same answer is given and that seals the judgment. Look at Matthew chapter 18 verse 15. And if your brother shall trespass against you, three things. Number one, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, number two, then you take with you one or two witnesses that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word shall be established. And if that doesn't give you any joy, number three, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the congregation of Israel. But if he neglects to hear the congregation of Israel, then you hand him over to judgment threefold principle then he is like a heathen or a tax collector handed over to satan three attempts then you hand them over to destruction of the flesh this is the threefold finality and we even find it in literary forms throughout the bible holy 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 or woe 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 or oh earth earth earth! hear the word of Yahweh." This even comes across in literary forms. It was well known with the believing community in the days of Yahushua, in the days of Solomon, in the days of the exile and Ezekiel's revelation, the threefold principle, given the same answer, then the judgment would be sealed. This is powerful to me because it's one of those paradigm shifts. And in fact, it's something that you and I can do in our lives. I mean, so many times you online have contacted me about um, wars and fights amongst you or your family members or people and you're like, oh, how many times do I continue to go back and forth? Well, three times and then you just have to hand them over to the world that the flesh would be crushed and then, hopefully, Yahweh would restore. But we can't continually fight and fight and fight. It's a threefold principle, and then you've just got to move on, because you cannot neglect what the word says. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Holy, 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 O oh Earth, O oh Earth, O oh Earth! Hear the word of Yahweh. Look, even the people understood the threefold principle. But Jeremiah said their reasoning was faulty and Jeremiah told them this in Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 4. Trust you not in lying words saying the temple of Yahuwah, the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh." So the people understood the threefold principle but they perverted it and they were saying the temple of yahweh the temple of yahweh the temple of yahweh judgment won't come it's the temple of yahweh they invoked the threefold principle to try and avert judgment but jeremiah 7 verse 4 he wasn't having any of it ezekiel 21 verse 14 you therefore son of man prophesy and clap and let the sword be doubled the third time. The sword of the slain. It is the sword of the great slaughter which surrounds them. The threefold principle and then judgment ensues. It's a threefold and then it's an overturning to the kingdom of men or we rest in the kingdom of Yahuwah. I would rather repent and rest in the kingdom of Yahuwah, but if people don't listen... Then you overturn them to the kingdom of men and let their, fl- their flesh reap what they've sowed. The point is concerning the temple, Yahweh repented once of the evil to destroy the temple in Jerusalem with Hezekiah's reforms. Yahweh was going to destroy the temple, but Hezekiah came in and he reformed the temple, so Yahweh repented once. And he did not destroy that temple. Then what happened? Wickedness ensued again. And Yahuwah was going to destroy the temple. And then twice Yahuwah repented. Why? Because Josiah came in. Josiah came in and he made reforms. So Yahuwah, he repented. And he didn't destroy the temple. The third warning came loud and clear through the prophets Jeremiah And this prophet, Ezekiel, this is the third and final witness, the third and final warning given to Israel. We can find it on the sixth year of their captivity, on the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month. And you'll find that in the Masoretic text of Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1. In fact, Ezekiel 8, 4 says this, And see the kavod, the glory of the Elohim of Israel was there. But then look what happens in verse 6. Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 6. He said furthermore to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? Even the great abominations of the house of Israel commits here that I should go far away from my holy place. But turn again And you shall see even greater abominations. And what did they see? Twenty-five priests worshipping the sun and weeping for Tammuz. Ezekiel 11 verse 1. And he tells them that Yahweh is going to leave the temple. He's going to leave the temple and he's going to dwell in a little sanctuary. Where would that little sanctuary be? He's going to dwell in the heart of the Zedek sanctuary. I will make you the temple of Elohim. That's what the New Testament writers say has happened through this transference of priesthood with Yahushua. He is going to go and dwell in a little sanctuary. It is, in fact, as Jeremiah says in the 31st chapter, it's going to be inside the heart of man. In 11 verse 22, it says this of Ezekiel, Then did the cherubim lift up their wings and the wheels beside them, and the kavod, the glory of Elohim, the Elohim of Israel, was over and above them. And the kavod, the glory of Yahweh, went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city." So Yahweh's glory left Jerusalem proper and it went up to the Mount of Olives, to the mountain that resides upon the eastern side of the city. This is the final event, and then Ezekiel's vision ends. That's it. Yahweh abandoned the temple in Jerusalem. This was threefold finality. This is what people are not aware of. Yahweh abandoned the temple in Jerusalem. It's a threefold finality, and the glory moves on, and therefore Moriah's status changes to nothing more than common ground. Just as when the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night moved and the tabernacle moved, well, the ground where it was previously became then common ground just secular ground what would have Moshe done what would have Joshua done what would have Aaron done they would have given the order to dismantle the tabernacle and move it to the Mount of Olives at this point Yahweh's glory's just moved onto the Mount of Olives well we better pack everything up and we need to move because that's where the glory is. So Mount Moriah then returns to secular common ground. It's not holy because the glory's up on the Mount of Olives. Look at Lamentations chapter 2, verse 7. Yahweh has cast off his altar, he has abhorred his sanctuary. What? Yes, Yahweh has cast off his altar. He has abhorred his sanctuary. And in Ezekiel chapter 24, verse 21, I will profane my sanctuary. So the very spot on Mount Moriah came no more holy. It became no more holy than, say, the White House, right? And we know that's not holy. When the glory moves, it becomes common and secular. Yet mercy and kindness, and long-suffering abounds with Yahweh. Does it not? It abounds with Yahuwah. Look at Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says Yahuwah Sivoth. And in this place will I give shalom, says Yahuwah Sivoth. So, Zerubbabel was allowed to build a new temple on Mount Moriah because of Yahweh's kindness. In fact, Jeremiah had prophesied about it. In Jeremiah chapter 27, verse 21, it is written, Yes, this says Yahuwah Savot, the Elohim of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of Yahuwah and the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem. They shall be carried away to Babylon and there shall they be to the day that I visit them for deliverance, says Yahuwah. Then will I bring them up and then I will restore this place. So now we're back all the way back to where we started to the threefold principle of now Zerubbabel's temple. So did you see the threefold principle with Solomon's temple and then destruction? But then Yahweh, in his mercy now allows for Zerubbabel's temple to be built and we're going to find now again this threefold principle is going to be enacted with that temple. Now bear in mind... If this threefold principle of judgments comes to pass, yet there's a transference of priesthood, then it's finished. Then it's finished. Finished. You see, next week, we're going to finish up with scroll 11 with the three outrages relating to that timber. At that temple, excuse me. I hope that as we see this vision of Ezekiel, that this was a conditional offer. That these ideas that we get today about, oh, the Jews are going to build a third temple and this is going to be the answer to prophecy, it's not. Because people are missing the threefold principle. The first temple of Solomon's temple, commonly called the first temple, the threefold principle was enacted and then judgment ensued and the temple was destroyed. We saw the same thing, the threefold principle with Zerubbabel's temple and we found that Zerubbabel's temple was in fact destroyed in 70 of the common era. But then there was a transference of priesthood that had happened and now Yahweh resides in a little sanctuary so if we're looking to the wrong temple and if we're looking to the wrong high priest then we could fall into this devious devious deception because Ezekiel tells us that this was a conditional offer this was his 11th vision this isn't some future millennial temple it is what Yahweh offered israel if they had repented and it was conditional but they did not repent therefore it was not enacted and shall never be enacted because since that time the time of reformation has come the seed promised has come and he has transferred the temple, the priesthood to his people. Now Yahweh resides in a little temple because Yahweh says, I will dwell with my people who have a circumcised heart, who follow his son. Kiss the son if you know his name. So it saddens me to see people that are well learned in the Bible but the traditions of men, the vanity of vanities and all the vain trappings of religion keep pointing them to this Jewish millennial temple, which is in fact, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, going to be the temple of the man of sin, the son of perdition, because it's a temple of man. It is not the temple of Elohim because His glory left that place, moved to the Mount of Olives where Yahushua was crucified and where Yahushua then was able to what? Complete the transference of Hebrews 8 verse 6 and the change in law, Hebrews 7 verse 12 was enacted allowing Yahuwah then to reside through the work of redemption of his blessed son in his blessed people. I hope that this scroll really, really enables people to see the futility of looking towards a third temple built by the hands of men. Because last time I checked, Yahushua was the cornerstone, the stone stone that the builders rejected has in fact come, become the principal stone. And is my principal stone and I hope your principal stone. Shabbat shalom and blessings to you all. Thank you all. And remember, next week we'll be broadcasting and we'll be continuing on as we now come into these closing visions of Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13 scrolls. Amen.